I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hey guys, welcome to Be Afraid the Horror Podcast, hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. Uh, we today we'll be discussing the movie biggest one, one of our bigger films, Gremlins. It came out. Uh, we're hop- hopping to our holiday spirit, our holiday season with some. I I, I don't even know what you would call. Would you call Gremlins like a horror? I, would you call Gremlins a horror movie, Steve? I don't know. Yeah, definitely a horror. You know, a bunch it of little def- creatures attacking you, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it definitely has horror aspect to it. I I, I, I will say that. Um, Gremlins came out in 1984. It was directed by Joe Dante, and it was also the um, the ex- the executive producer was Steven Spielberg. Uh, movie stars a bunch of actually a bunch of people in this movie ended up not really making it out of the 80s. Some of them because they weren't good enough actors, and some of them because uh, they just chose not to. Zach Galligan played Billy, um, the main character in the movie. He was uh, he's known for Gremlins. One and two, and also horror movies, Waxwork One and Two. Um, then you had Phoebe Cates, who played Kate, who was uh, the leading lady in this movie. Phoebe Cates actually, um, I give a big thumbs up today to Mr. Kevin Klein, who was 42, I believe, when he married the 25-year-old Phoebe Cates, and they've been together ever since. And um, so she was known big in the 80s. She she was in Fast Times at Richmond High. Uh, her co-star in Fast Times, Judge Reinhold, actually plays an asshole in this movie. And um, she was also in Drop Dead Fred and Private School. So again, those are two actors that didn't really make it out of the 80s. Um, I will say Corey Feldman, who's in this movie too. Also, um, his career definitely took a shot a shot down in the 90s. But um, again, Corey Feldman, when this movie came out, this movie came out the same year as... His other big horror film, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. But then he went on in the next couple of years to star in Lost Boys, The Goonies. And he was also in, um, what else? He was in Lost Boys and The Goonies and Stand By Me. So Corey Feldman was actually in like five, five or six straight huge biggest movies of the 80s all in a row in three or four years. You mentioned Friday? And, uh, what was that? Friday the 13th. You mentioned that, right? Yeah, he was in Friday the 13th, part four, uh, the final chapter. He also had a brief cameo on the fifth one, but I don't really count him as in it. He's in it for like two seconds. And then um, I guess the other two main characters that we would say in this movie are Howie Mandel as the boys of Gizmo. He probably has oh, the... Oh, um, shit. I don't know. Yeah, yep. <laughs> he's got the b- biggest career going on out of all these people right now. Wow. And last week we did... Um, we did the movie Demon Knight, so Dick Miller's in this movie as well. It was awesome. And, and another Joe Dante movie, uh, Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers, yep. Mm-hmm. Another, another I'm, I'm actually, you just mentioned that. It's not planned this way, but um, it, that DVD's sticking out of my DVDs right now, so I'm looking at that cover right now. <laughs> um, hell yeah, Gorgonites. Yeah. But, um, so this movie's about a gadget salesman who he's, uh, he's looking for a special gift for his son, and he finds one in a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the Mogwai, but sells it to him anyway uh, with the warning to never expose him to bright light, water, or to feed him after midnight. I'm going to go over these rules so, uh, in a moment. Um, in the word of Randy Meeks, there are, there are certain, certain rules, rules to keeping a Mogwai. <laughs> but like, um, but uh, there, some of these rules don't make any goddamn sense, but like I said, but we will go over them. 
Um, and all this happens, and the result is a gang of gremlins that decide to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. So that's why we got our Christmas horror movie going. But uh, again, b before we get into anything, I just want to go over the Randy Meeks, these rules that make absolutely no sense. Um, there's a scene at the end of this movie where it's snowing out and all these gremlins are in snow. And they aren't multiplying. There should be like a billion gremlins. <laughs> like I said, they aren't supposed to get wet. There should be a billion of them right there. Um, second rule. The light thing makes somewhat sense. The feeding rule, Steve. What's after midnight? When does like after after midnight occur? Like, oh, yeah, are, right? are you allowed to not feed them for an hour after? <laughs> or you can start feeding them at like daylight again? Like at 6 a.m.? And how does their I, body know when it's midnight? And what if you're in a different time zone? I, I didn't think of all that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I never understood it. But whatever, uh, fuck it. It doesn't matter because Gremlins is a great movie and it doesn't need to make sense. Uh, that's it. Um, so, yeah. So we're discussing Gremlins today. Um, I always say there, there's so much greatness from the 80s, um, myself included. But um, <laughs> you're looking over the 80s. Like, you, you, you look over everything that came out then. You had the DeLorean. You had Freddy Krueger. You had, um, again, you, you had... Uh, Gremlins, you had um, Sloth from the Goonies. You, you have all this great stuff that came out back then. And I, you have, uh, and like, you look at all this. You have E.T., you have Beetlejuice, you have Axel Foley. Holy you shit. have all this greatness from the 80s just all bundled up in one, which makes it the most entertaining movie, not the best movie decade ever um, when it comes to acting, but the most entertaining movie decade ever. I will say that. And Gizmo stands out. He's, he's might not be better than all this stuff, but he stands up right with it. And no matter, this movie came out, what, 30, uh, 30, what years ago? 38 years ago? Mm-hmm. And it's still, like, it's still known, like, Gizmo is still a known, oh, that's a gremlin. That's Gizmo. He's still known all around. So after all this stuff, like, again, it still stands out and... Gremlins, to me, is one of the greatest movies ever, and I want to, at some point, show it to my nephew. Um, I can't wait for that day, along with the Goonies. And so I don't really have to tell you what I think of the movie. It just, it's fucking brilliance. Um, Joe Dante and Spielberg, although we'll go into this a little while, in a little while, too, they disagreed on certain things that should be in the movie and shouldn't be in the movie. Um, but the end product is something that still, 38 years later, is still one of the most entertaining movies ever made. Steve, how do you feel about it? Uh, is it me, or were Furbies like a knockoff of Gremlins? Uh, you don't call it a knockoff, it's a ripoff. Yeah, a ripoff, and a, an ugly one, because Gremlins were adorable, and Furbies were you know hideous and scary. But yeah, this was a very fun movie, and I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Um, I don't remember if I liked it or not, because that's how long it's been, but watching it now and what I think of it now, this is would have been a perfect movie for when I was a kid. And I definitely loved it because I loved it now. Um, I want to say what I said about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, a couple episodes back where I said this is like a movie that's made for fans of movies. Um, I don't want to say like a turn your brain off type of movie because that, that's kind of an insult, but like something that you just go into, you know, to have fun. Also not a popcorn flick because it's more than that. But just like a, a movie that um, isn't afraid to like, you know, go over the top and have like these really wacky scenes and a lot of great comedy. That's probably my favorite part of the whole movie is the, uh, the comedy. Um, the horror is also there, um, especially when they turn into, after 
when uh, when they feed them at the midnight and they turn uh, bigger. Is there a different name when they turn like that, or is it still gremlins? No, they're still gremlins. Yeah, when they turn like that, that's when they're really scary. So it definitely is a horror movie. Um, and I love how 80s it is. Um, Corey Feldman is always great to see. Every time he, he pops up, I'm, like, excited. Um, the main actor, Billy, was really good. And also, I want to point out, isn't it a little funny how the dad was looking for a gift for him? And then I, I was kind of picturing, like, a little kid the whole time when he's like, oh, I'm looking for a gift for my son. And then you see the, the, the who the gift is for, and his son is, like, really old and works at a bank. <laughs> was that, like, yeah, intentional? His son's, like, his son's supposed to be, like, in his early 20s, yet he looks like he's, like, 30. Yeah, like he's supposed to be in his early 20s, looks like he's like 30, and his dad treats him like he's five. He's like, I want to get him something special. And then like, uh, I just thought that was a funny gift to get like uh, such a, even though it's a great gift for anybody, I would love that. Um, yeah, I think this also made, because I was telling you earlier, uh, I noticed a lot of tropes that this movie started, that a lot of uh, movies either parodying it or paying tribute or homage, whatever. A lot of stuff that, that, um, that like setting rules for like the gremlins, like the after midnight stuff. Um, them multiplying. Was this before Critters and Ghoulies? Uh, this did come out before Critters and Ghoulies. Yeah, yeah. so it, it even started a whole you know genre of movies where a bunch of little creatures are like attacking a, a city and stuff. So a lot of stuff that that throughout the years growing up uh, in mainstream media, like TV shows, movies that um, were talking about gremlins, I, I didn't realize because I hadn't seen the movie in so long. So I was able to trace back a lot of things um, uh, to this movie. So that just shows how revolutionary it is. And it's mainly so good because of how, like I said before, it's like a, a movie that's, that's just fun to watch. So it's got comedy for adults and comedy for kids and, um, you know, romance, action, also horror. So this is like a movie literally for the whole family, as, as uh, bizarre as that sounds, because, you know, it's a crazy movie like this. Um, my absolute favorite scene is when the old lady is on the ch uh, the electric chair that brings her up the stairs and then the... The gremlins like mess with it and it has it go full speed and then <laughs> that visual of an old lady going up the stairs in, in, in that chair is the funniest thing and her reaction as she's screaming and the fact that it actually goes pretty long i thought it'd be like a quick scene like like oh a quick little funny thing but it was like a whole ride like this was like a really big house apparently and then they take it there and she actually flies out the window that was just brutal and hilarious um this movie like like i said it's a fun movie not afraid to take it there so i love it for that because it's just like um uh, actually, I want to call it yeah, a blockbuster is the word I'm I'm looking for. This is a a blockbuster and like a, a fun uh, family one because uh, I think Jaws started the blockbuster, which is also Spielberg. So yeah, this is another great movie. Well, he's the executive pro executive producer, but another great movie in uh, Spielberg's catalog in the '80s of just he was involved in such amazing things. And I also love Joe Dante, who also made uh, a movie that again I was able to realize how much stuff took from this uh, Small Soldiers, which we mentioned before. Uh, it's basically another Gremlins, but instead of cute animals, it's like badass, you know, um, soldiers and, and monsters. So I love small soldiers when I was that age, um, just like I probably loved Gremlins when I was like five or four, whenever I first saw it. And I just think that guy's really good at making like those movies with like a little bit of everything. So, yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. And I'm going to watch it every Christmas, probably. We haven't even mentioned all the Christmas stuff. And yeah, this is a, a perfect horror Christmas movie. We'll talk about all the Christmas stuff. Like this kind of reminded me of what we talked about this summer. With um, when we were doing, I believe it was Halloween four, and we were saying how great the opening was because it just brought you right into Halloween. Yeah, like the Halloween season. Yep. And it's a, the, I remember Halloween four, the pitchfork and the scarecrows and stuff and stuff, and, and like again, it just had a really a, a really autumn feel to it. Mm-hmm. And the opening, the opening scenes of this movie, 
It's playing uh, Darlin' Love. It's playing her song, uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. And that's playing, and it's everything. It's just, they got the Christmas trees. They got the snowball fights with the, their snowmen. They got, uh, he's, uh, Billy has his, his uh, windows frozen shut on, on, on his cars. And, like, it just gives you that, that, that feel of, uh, not this Christmas in New York, because it's very, it's not too cold out, and there's no snow, really. But, like, it gives you the feel of how Christmas is supposed to be. Yeah. And so you get that, and... But I love how the movie does both. Because you get that, and you have the... Um, I want to say it has, like... I think the great thing about this movie, too, is the characters, just uh, with Zach and Phoebe and... Um, and what's-his-name, and... Um, well, I can't think of his so name. All the character second. interactions uh, were so awesome. Yeah, C- Corey Feldman and um, the parents, they're all such friendly, nice people. <laughs> and you kind of like, they're just, just genuinely good people. And you're kind of like, oh, these people are f- fucking awesome. And then you have Judge Reinhold, who's always always great in everything. He, Judge Reinhold, like I said, he plays the same asshole sort of that he plays in Fast Times at Richmond High. He just thinks he's, he's, he's the top dog. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the head of the bank before you know it. And, like, he just thinks he's that much better than everyone. With their... I love that line where he's trying to get Phoebe Cates to go over to his house. And he goes, uh, I forgot what he says, but he's like, you want to come over tonight? He's like, I got cable. Oh, yeah. It's like, and... Super 80s. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah it, it's so 80s. And, like, it, it, like, like come it, on. I got to say no to cable. <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. Meanwhile, right now, cable is the thing that you don't want to have. <laughs> But like, uh, so, but that's great. But like, but it goes from all that stuff and it goes to, again, it goes from that and it goes to such darkness too. Oh yeah. Like the, the best scenes, some of the best scenes in this movie are just like really dark and fucked up and just makes you like think like, um, like the, the scene that always comes to my mind is the scene where Phoebe Cage, she's telling how her father, like she doesn't celebrate Christmas and he's like, who doesn't celebrate Christmas? And she's like, my father, when I was a child, he got stuck inside the chimney while bringing toys down the chimney, and he ended up, like, breaking his neck in the chimney. And, yeah. like, you hear that, and, like, it's just, like, all screwed up. And then there's that scene where his mother's being attacked by the gremlins. Oh, yeah. That and they're playing this song, Do You Hear What I Hear, that in the background. Awesome. <laughs> and, like, what's his name? Johnny Mathis, I think his name is. Yeah. So, for some reason, in the back of my head... It's always like, that's a great Christmas song, but always like in the back of my head, there's something dark about it <laughs> because because Gremlins that scene I guess is stuck in the back of my memory. Oh yeah. So so again, so it has that great Christmas feel, and it has a way to like if you're watching it as a kid, even as an adult, to be like, wow, this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> but um, so and even again, the old lady and, describing how she wants to kill um, Billy's dog, it's like it's super dark. It's like again, like they take yeah. it there. She's so over the top, evil and mean. <laughs> M- Mrs. Deagle, she she reminds me of two characters, and and you know, and they definitely did this on purpose. She reminds me of the witch from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And again, Wizard of Oz always reminds me of a Christmas of, of like a holiday movie because it's always played around the holiday, and also because have you seen a have you seen a Christmas story? Yeah. A Christmas story, he goes to the mall, and the Santa Claus characters, like, he goes to meet Santa Claus, and the evil characters there are, like, 
are he sees them as like evil. It's 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 the uh, characters from the from from the Wizard of Oz. Oh wow! Also, um, again, like you said, her main goal is to get the dog, and that's the same thing as the Wicked Witch. Like oh, that your little dog, yeah. Yeah, you and your little dog too. Yeah. It's like the, and but even more than that, and they show this movie in the uh, they're watching this movie inside the. Uh, Gremlins too. The mom even goes, "Oh, I'm crying because this movie's so sad." They're watching, "It's a Wonderful Life," and Mrs. Deagle reminds me of Mr. Potter, that greedy son of a bitch. Yeah. And um, again, and that's exactly that. Lionel Barrymore plays Mr. Potter in "It's a Wonderful Life." Um, Barrymore is, um, I believe, the great uncle or the grandfather of Drew Barrymore. The Barrymores we might have discussed this before are the um, are the I guess the uh, oldest, most popular uh, family um, lineage in Hollywood. Family in Hollywood. Yeah. So the Barrymore started off back in the eighties, in, in the eighteen hundreds, and um, they started off doing the uh, um, doing uh, theater, and then ever since Lionel Barrymore um, and Ethel Barrymore, her great aunt, I believe, in the early nineteen hundreds, they have been in Hollywood ever since. So. Again, Mrs. Deagle is a huge character, and she plays such a great villain in the movie. And again, it has that perfect mix of Christmas holiday fun, and again, and sweetness, yeah. at the same time, still darkness. Yeah, and like those fun, it. those fun like PG jokes, which uh, I would argue are kind of harder to do than you know being vulgar and and like nasty, uh, like squeaky clean jokes. Uh, always work for me if they're done well. Um, like just all the little moments with the dad's inventions, uh, those were hilarious. Um, seeing them try to use it, and, like being optimistic, because you know it's uh, their dad made it. He worked so hard for it, whatever. Uh, and then at first it's working, and then it like uh, uh, squirts all over his face. The orange juice that was hilarious. And then later on, the mom with the coffee. Um, did you notice that that the coffee's like um, CGI? It was like computer animated coffee. It wasn't real. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, I well, it was like slime. Yeah, I, no, I, I didn't notice. <laughs> Watch it again. It looks pretty funny. And, and once again, super 80s. Um, going out of your way to use CGI for stuff you don't really need it for. Um, but yeah, those parts were hilarious. The dad was so funny when he was going around pitching his, his inventions to everybody. Like, I got something that, that you might like. And then his, his little uh, his catchphrase, whatever, his, his slogan, what is it? It's like, um, I make the impossible possible. That guy was so yeah, funny. And he reminded me of um, Stu Pickles in the Rugrats. The same thing where he like, invents stuff and that's like his career. Um, a lot of the stuff, it's funny because... It actually would be a little useful, and it reminds me of uh, you. You texted me just yesterday the, uh, in Home Alone. Um, the what's it called? The Talking Boy. Oh yeah, the Talk Boy. Yeah. Yeah, the Talk Boy. That that was made up in the movie by by John Hughes, and then it actually did become a product. Like they made the product uh, accessible to the public, and it was based on you know the blueprints of the movie. So I, I wonder if any of his inventions in Gremlins were like you know actually made and made for like an scene on TV or product or something. Because some of them weren't that bad, um, even though they, they were hilarious. Um, I also want to point out how great the, the contrast is of, of um, when he goes to buy the toy. It's like nighttime in Chinatown, and it's like, you know, um, a lot of, like, people out. It's, like, so different than, than, like, later on when you go to the town, and it's in the daytime, and it's snow, and it's more Christmassy. So I love the intro for that because it gives, like, the gremlins, like, more of, like, a dark origin and, like, a a cool past um they didn't just come from space like they didn't crash land or something something um you know easy this was like in a store in chinatown um and i like also how the kid like snuck it out and it's like no we need the money that was a, a really cool because 
like you said before, the characters in it is just really good. Even like little extras like that, uh, like the little kid that that sold them the, the toy, and then the dad that later on um, goes on to goes back to to collect um, uh, the gremlin, take it back when he finds out. Um, he gave like some really good lines in there, a lot of great delivery. Like when he says, uh, "Oh, sold you, uh, uh, Gizmodo." That interesting choice of words, and then um, the whole speech that he gives him at the end. Um, I thought it was really good and again it's like that sweetness and like just that magical um, Christmas feel and this movie does it very well just like it does everything well yeah it surprised me that like the movie was so great and you know Joe Dante even Joe Dante said that he didn't understand why the movie did too well so, so well <laughs> like he's, he was saying he didn't get it like he didn't get why, why the movie was a success yeah it's like a roller coaster um, of emotions it's pretty easy if you watch it to tell why it's a success it's like um not just visually, like everything is very pleasing to the eye, and again, like um, like the Chinatown and then the snow and and then um, the the cool inventions. Like it's like a nice movie to look at, but it also like hits you in the feels in all kinds of ways, like uh, laughing and and touching ways and uh, creepy ways and disturbing ways, like you said with the mom getting uh, beat up. So it's like a whole roller coaster this movie. So I think that's why it succeeded. Also, what with creepy went with when the gremlins killed the ki- killed the teacher. Oh yeah. That was really and like yeah, like yeah, you, you don't really like again. I, I was expecting that, I guess. That kind of like a lot of this stuff just remind it. It, it just again, it, it. I always feel at peace when like I'm seeing like um, not teachers dying, but <laughs> what, what, when I'm seeing like movies that remind me of like the '60s and '50s and stuff like that. And this movie had that kind of feel to it, even though it was made in the '80s. Yeah, and like it just like more more wholesome. I want to say. Um, I, I do know that um, when they made this movie, they had some challenges too. Like again, I, I know that the um, that the studio notes um, to uh, Joe Dante and Spielberg, they were asking why there were so many gremlins in the movie, and Spielberg <laughs> said he goes, "All right, um, I agree with you. I suggest that we cut them all out and we just call the movie People." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was funny. He was kind of like, what are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's so important. <laughs> oh my god, and yeah. those animatronics were so incredible and still hold up to this day. Oh, like I said, the, the main gremlin, he's adorable. And I kept waiting for like a part for, for there to be where it like shows the cracks. Like, alright, this is clearly an 80s movie. And it really never never happened. There was Everything still looks good to this day. Obviously, it could look a little better, but it wasn't distracting. Like, like oh, we could do this better nowadays. Like, the movie holds up and doesn't need a remake ever. Um, and then the animatronics of, of the gremlins when they get bigger, that was really impressive. Seeing them throw plates around, seeing them drink and, and smoke cigarettes, that whole bar scene was awesome. Uh, one of them spinning around, like not only is it impressive um, because it's like, you know, it's like these really impressive animatronics, but it's just impressive that they took it. Is the movie PG? The movie's P. The yeah. Movie is, movie's PG thirteen. Oh, okay. All um, right. I was P- gonna say it's impressive that that they were able to push the boundary so much because seeing them drink and smoke, I was like, all right, is this a kids movie or not? But yeah, PG thirteen. That makes a lot of sense. So, but well, that goes. Thing is, with what I was saying, it's a little bit of because uh, that's like adult comedy mixed in with all the other types of comedy. Yeah, but the thing is, before this and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, there wasn't PG thirteen ratings. Oh. Um, they made PG thirteen ratings because of this and because of Indiana Jones. Okay. Because they felt wow. the movies were too violent for PG, but not violent enough for, for radar. That's historical right there. This movie. Yeah, yep. So, wow. This, which is crazy, because if you watch some movies from like back then, the 70s, like you watch movies from the 1970s, like I don't even know if Texas Chainsaw Master's radar. I don't really know. Like there, there, there's some stuff like in the 70s that are just really fucked up. And that, um, again, that they show and that they, uh, 
again, that were rated PG. And you watch it, and you're like, how did it get away with this? But I, I guess they figured this was too dark. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, so they made that one in between. But, um, but and how... speaking of the anim- animatronics and stuff yeah. like that, originally what they were doing was they were using monkeys to play the gremlins with, like, <laughs> with, like masks on them. But they realized that the monkeys were freaking out while they put the mask on them, <laughs> so they had to change the idea. That's hilarious. Oh, and yeah, seeing yeah. them transform too. How the hell did they do that? Um, not just not when they're when they hatch, when they get water on them and they multiply, not transform. When they multiply, that was super impressive. Like seeing a little fur ball expand and then they actually like come out. Like, I, was this Tom Sabini? It was not, but this is like again. Tom, Tom Sabini was the best at that stuff. Yeah, but, again, but it's like, just so impressive how they were able to do all that. And if they remake it, I guarantee you it would be CGI and it will not be as good. Yeah, but t- Tom Savini also one of the greatest two two of the greatest movie effects back then didn't have to do with Tom Savini. I don't think Tom Savini was in the was uh, attached to American Werewolf in London. Was uh, he in the thing? Wrong, I don't think he was. what was he in the thing? He was. That's what I also would say. The thing, American yeah. Werewolf in London. Like they were a lot of like back then. Like oh, yeah. Savini was king, but like there was a lot of guys out there doing that. Yeah. So again, like. And a lot of guys make it look more realistic than CGI. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, uh, the cast for this is just outstanding. Um, like I love characters. Not not only like I mention this in every every episode almost. Uh, how I like when every character brings something to the table, but I also like when they have like distinct, like cartoony like voices. Like everybody is like a little bit, you know, like like their character is what they sound like. Uh, like Billy like sounds like this nice wholesome sweet kid. He's the main character, of course. Uh, the dad is is also like very nice, but you know about business and selling his products and like um, you know believing in his inventions. So he sounds like like you know how you would picture him sounding like everybody is like a character in this. Um, you, even though that's how every movie should be, but believe it or not, many movies have just people there that you can't really say are characters. They're just delivering lines. Everybody here is like very distinct, and, and I love that. And I don't know if that's like an '80s thing, but something about Spielberg's movies, he's always been really good with like people um just being people and like uh, you know like standing out and just being like um larger than life so everybody in this was larger than life i feel like yeah no they're all great actors too yeah yeah that helps too but it's i'm talking about like their their actual voices and their look it's so like like memorable Uh, and it's it's all thanks to uh spielberg and and joe dante too i think it's just a a lot of a lot of uh, good people working in this yeah, there's always a lot going on in the background. Yep. Again, like, again, like you said, like especially in something like this. But like uh, that, that's why I'm surprised too with like the actors themselves that they didn't go like again that they didn't go on to do bigger things. Um, like I said, Phoebe Cates was big back then, and she she's Phoebe Cates is hot. Oh yeah. Like for like an '80s girl, right? Yeah. And again, she didn't. Phoebe Case actually dropped out of acting in 1994 because she was raising a family. And so that's, she just decided to leave. But um, Zach Galligan, nothing happened. Zach Galligan reminds me a lot of uh, the main guy from American Werewolf in London, actually. Yeah, he did. wow, not, he looks like him. It's not him? Yeah, it's not him, but I used to think it was the same guy. <laughs> so pe- people used to ask me, oh, what else is this guy in? I used to say American oh, Werewolf in London. I think... A lot of people did that because I'm, I'm hearing over the years people share the same thing that um, when we were younger, didn't you think a bunch of actors were the same thing and then you were just mind blown later on to find out that it was two different people? 
Yeah, I think the problem with me is that I think that all white people look like. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's my thing. <laughs> but, uh, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, oh, are you your cousin Michael? <laughs> I'm like, I just don't know. We're, we're all white. <laughs> but, uh, I just don't know. Oh, but man. it's very confusing. But, uh, oh. so, but like, uh, sorry guys, we're gonna take that out later. <laughs> but, but um, but yeah, yep. Yeah. So again, like, no, you're, you're you're right though. Like, I, I look over a lot of stuff. There's still some things I look at, like that's that guy, isn't it? But it's not. Yeah. But um, uh, what came out first? This or Star Wars three? This. This okay. So uh, this even inspired uh, not Wookies. Um, what are the little guys called? Ewoks. Ewoks. This is definitely inspired Ewoks also. My brother used to be obsessed with that movie. Not start, not not Return of the Jedi, but there was an Ewok movie. Oh yeah, the special, right? Yeah, yeah. My brother was obsessed with that. Yeah. But, so um, so you could give this credit for for Ewoks, Gremlins. I mean, uh, Ghoulies, Critters. Um, also Chucky, who eventually there'd be a bunch of Chuckies. I think just the idea of like a little creature multiplying was just done to death and gremlins is the original i'm finding out right now so that that's... well the thing about this movie too is that again like little creatures like that are easy to sell that's the easy yeah. christmas present so so baby yoda baby yoda furby all that stuff that that's like so popular now or, or not now not furby but you know what i mean just uh that little tiny mascot that sells for being cute i, I would say originated with gremlins i guess i originated from gremlins <laughs> I'm a little cute mascot. Bro, you're on fire. <laughs> but, uh, cute little yeah, mascot. But, yeah, you are. Freaking, yes, uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but this movie is, like, again, like, fantastic. I, I can't think. Fantastic, I, yep. you, you, you know what line I love for, from this movie? Where um, I, you, you're talking about characters that, like, have the right voice or do the right thing or whatever it may yeah. be. Like I said, like, w- one of the greatest parts I love in this movie is when the dad sees the gremlins are multiplying and I forgot the exact line, but he says something to the son. He goes, he says, um, every kid in America yeah. would want one of these. Of course, they, they might even place the dog as a pet. And then you see the dog just look up at him. Yeah. That's like, what I mean. Oh, even shit. the, even the dog is a character. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. He had a bunch of little moments where you see the dog being jealous. And then that was like the final little blow. Like, like, Oh, he could straight up replace the dog. So it's like a lot of foreshadowing, like a, a lot of jokes that eventually pay off if you keep paying attention. So yeah. That Did was... the dog ever fuck any of them up? I don't think so. Oh no, the that gremlins fucked them up. They tied them up. That was yeah. so funny too. They tied them up with the lights. He's like, who did this to you? <laughs> they were so yeah, yeah. The, the pranks and like the hijinks of the gremlins were just so awesome. Riding the the tractor, uh, going through the house, and then uh, Fred Willard. Fred Willard's his name. Uh, D- Dick Miller. Dick, no, Dick Willard. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck I got that from. But his reactions were fucking amazing he's so funny and uh, once again a character with a great voice an actor with a great voice that that just adds so much to like the movie yeah he, he's talking about the gremlins too he's talking about like that what, what, what's he calling the gremlins he's like he's like yeah it's these gremlins he's talking about the machines yeah yeah he's freaking telling the story about that yep. yeah yeah i but there's so many like the most memorable scenes in this movie again like first off was the story that she tells about her father um again like i talked about before with the mother when she's when she's fighting off the gremlins, which is a great scene. And also, great scene that towards the end of this movie, it's a Snow White scene. Oh, yeah. They're That's watching the Snow White, and, and, they, and they seem to love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and again, they said they put that in there, too, because when when Snow White first came out, and you know, I agree, Snow White came out around the holidays. Snow White reminds me, 
Snow White has nothing to do with Christmas at all, <laughs> but it reminds me of a holiday movie. Yeah, probably because of Gremlins. But uh, this just blends but, things so well. Everything just fits in. Snow White perfect yeah. fit for this movie. That's the perfect movie for them to watch. And a lot of the stuff too. It's and this isn't a bad thing. A lot of the stuff I feel like they did just to show, just to push themselves to see what they can do with their animatronics technology. Because um, I know those those people are really like like you've seen what they what they do in Hollywood, Chucky and all that. Those people are like really into their job. Like I would be too if I worked in Hollywood. So I think a lot of the stuff was just like thinking, where can we put the gremlins that'll be hilarious? Oh, what can we have them do now? Oh, let's have them fill up a movie theater, 3D glasses, um, at a bar, drinking, spinning around a chandelier. Like they just they took the concept all the way. So I love them for that. Yeah, and then in the second one, like I, I hope most people listening knows that there's a Gremlins too. Um, some people might not. If you don't know, it's not a big deal. I'm not putting it down. But there is a, something called Gremlins too that came out in 1989, 1990, and it went in a totally different direction. Oh no! And it started giving like Gremlins um, again uh, their own unique personalities. Like there's a smart Gremlin. I, I don't know if you guys seen the Key and Peel episode. Where it's like um, they're pitching ideas for gremlins. Like, let's have a vegetable gre- gremlin. Let's have a smart gremlin. Let, let's have a gremlin that, that turns into electricity. Let, let, let's throw a Hulk Hogan into this bitch. And like, so, and like at the, at the end of the key peel pitch, they're like, they're like, none of this will ever make it into the movie. And then it goes, all of it actually made it into the movie. But um, so, Gremlins 2 is just like a whack job of a movie. It's it's fun, it's entertaining, but it's nowhere near as good as It's not a classic. Li- li- like the original. Yeah, you don't hear uh, talked about as much either. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, but again, like, there's just so much in this movie. Again, like, we talked about, like, all the actors and all that. Uh, freaking, I just feel, um, I know Spielberg wanted to take, I keep talking about the scene because it's my favorite. He, he wanted to take that scene with Kate's, Phoebe Kate's story out of the movie with her father. And, What's his name? Uh, Joe Dante refused to. Yeah. And he said that it's his movie and he's keeping it in. And again, a movie experience. I think Spielberg and Dante, they had differences. One thing they probably agreed on is just the overall experience. Like, um, once again, a blockbuster needs to have those emotional moments. So it was super important they kept that. I think they also agreed that they're both really good filmmakers. And they both agreed, hey, this is what you really want. I'm going to keep it in there. I'm going to respect that, you know? Yeah. And they're not so, like, artsy as much as they're, like, like fans of movies. And they know what it's like to experience a movie. So I feel like they make a movie that that they would enjoy themselves. Spielberg has a new movie out called, uh, I want to go see it, um, The the Fablemans. Hmm. It has Michelle Williams and Paul Dotto, who's most most recently played the Riddler. Mm Mm-hmm. And they put the parents of a kid that just really gets in the movies and wants to create his own movies. I don't know what the movie's supposed to be like. A, oh, yeah, like I heard a, of that. It's um loosely based on him. Yeah, okay. I didn't know it was supposed yeah. to be based on him or not. It's no, playing it's... at the Manhattan Theater. I want to go by and see it sometime in the next couple of days. Yeah, that'd be great. Because I always like Michelle Williams a lot. Like I said before, when we talked about Halloween H2O, diehard Dawson Creek fan. So, again, so I definitely want to stop in and see that. But, um, yeah, and if we want to uh, date this episode any further, um, right now James Cameron has a movie out, and that's Avatar Two, and it's been 13 years since the James Cameron. And say what you want about Avatar, anything James Cameron does, I, I feel like we should check out. So I'm excited. If for you want to date this movie more, yeah. um, James Cameron has a movie out called Terminator Two right now. We're actually <laughs> recording this in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but yeah, it's, just, it's always great when a director that's like, you know, the caliber Spielberg, uh, Cameron, no matter, like, if the trailer doesn't look appealing to you, a, a picture, the poster doesn't look appealing to you, just the fact that these directors have a movie out, if you're a fan of movies, you owe it to yourself to check out anything that these guys put out. Well, that's the same thing with Gremlins. Like, again, he's just the producer of this movie. That He didn't direct it, but, like, they make sure, just like John Carpenter in Halloween, like, make sure, even though that was Carpenter's, like, first big, big movie. And, like, Tim like, Burton I mean, with, with Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, as long as you put you stamp your name on top of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's going to make people come out and see it. Um, yeah, but uh, this movie was actually released, believe it or not, we're talking about how many great, how many great 80s movies there are. Like, it's, it's like, insane. Like, I always say the greatest actors that I know of come from the 60s and 70s, like late 60s, late 70s, whether it's Meryl Streep or Christopher Walken or uh, what's his name, or De Niro or Pacino or freaking um, whoever it may be, Robert Duvall, but like all of them come from that era. But the most classic, memorable movies come from the 80s. And again, like it just happens to be so that there's so many that came out in the 80s that there's going to be a couple that came out on the same day. This movie was released on the same exact day as Ghostbusters. Jesus. Like, imagine, like, going into, like, especially, I remember as a kid, I remember going as a kid going into seeing Kazam and sneaking in and seeing Kingpin. So, <laughs> imagine, like, going to the theater and watching Ghostbusters and then sneaking in and seeing Gremlins after. Wow. That'd be a great, like... You'll remember that for the rest of your life. A hundred percent. But, um... I remember my, my uncle said he worked in a movie theater when, um, when uh, was it Friday Thirteenth came out, and when that came out, he went running down the theater aisle dressed in a ape costume and scared the shit out of people. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Now you uh, got me wondering, thinking really hard of um, if I could remember any times that two big movies were out that are like big to me now, but I really can't. I feel like they, they're pretty well spaced. Only thing I could remember, I mean. They're not my favorite movies, but the only two movies I remember being out at the same time, for some reason, um, I think because seeing like the the billboard outside of the, of the theater, um, was in '99. The Sixth Sense and Deep Blue Sea were out at the same time. I'm pretty sure. Can I'm you, trying to think. Can you think of uh, and specifically in horror, um, two two horror movies that that went on to become um, iconic that were out at the same time. Oh, horror. The same day um, came out. The same day. Came out the same day. Yeah. I don't think movies try to go up against each other that, that often. Yeah, like that's that. what I mean. It's um, it's really rare. But it has because I wouldn't say because those two movies didn't come out the same day. They were playing at the same time. So I'm I'm talking about something different. Yeah, because I was thinking like, I know Independence because I remember getting them on VHS both for Christmas. So I'm looking it up right now. So I know Independence Day and Mission Impossible were both in theaters at the same time. That's pretty big. Yeah. So again, that that's pretty big. But again, like there's always to be a time where there's two big movies in theaters at the same time. One's like just trickling off when because blockbusters tend to come out around the same time. They tend to come out like normally you'll notice blockbusters come out in the middle of the summer, June or July, and then in the winter you norm, normally for the winter just so they're fresh in people's minds, they try to bring out all the Academy movies that are going to win Academy Awards. Oh yeah, yeah. So they try to bring those all out just so when the awards come around, they're fresh in the uh, in the critics' minds and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and the impact is still, like, being felt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, again, a lot of times when you see, like, um, I, th I, I, thought, I think it's awesome. There's, there's some, like, actors that have, like, three movies out at the same time. Like, oh, yeah. Um, like, again, like, imagine, like, being in theaters, like, going to a movie theater and three of your movies are all on the screens. <laughs> 
and that that happens. Yeah, um, Matt, Matt it, Damon, Will Ferrell, all, all those guys at some point had like three movies at once. Yeah, and again, like again, not that they were all at once, but it always. I think the person that had one of the best years in Hollywood was Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, I, think I mentioned this before. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and Ace Ventura all came out in the same year. Wow, and that was right. That was his first big break. Like he's made movies like Rubber Face and Once Bitten and stuff before that. And I guess the first big break you would say would be in Living Color, but like um, that was his first big step into the big screen. Yeah. So again, and I, introduced I, Cameron I, Diaz in The Mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how how I would how I would handle that if I was Jim Carrey. Right. Like I said, it's like I went from like not nothing, but not really like a small small household name to a mega superstar in like a few months. Yeah. Like imagine that. That, yeah. that would I, I don't I don't even know if that would be awesome. That would just be like that would drive me nuts. Oh yeah. Like again again and then ninety five he came out with sorry we're getting into Jim Carrey. But ninety five he came out with Batman Forever and then the cable guy and the Truman show and Liar Liar and all that stuff. Like Yeah, he had like a five year run of just straight hits. Yeah, he had his Corey Feldman run in the nineties. Yeah. But um and I think he has more money than Corey. We were actually laughing the other day at work. We were talking about, um, what were we talking about? We were talking about, um, no, we were playing Fortnite. I'm, I'm a nerd, so I play Fortnite. That's what nerds do. And we were talking about um, how Peter Brady and Bern Troyer, I think that's the name. Is that the midget from, um, <laughs> is that his name? From Austin Powers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like Vern and Peter Brady. And we're talking about all these people that are like, we're saying these people are like the lows of the lows. Like these are the people that are on real world shows where just like people that were like stars like 50, 20, 30 years ago that had like, we're talking about Vanilla. This was it. We're going, who has more money right now, Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer? And we all decide that they're both bankrupt right now because they were, and the reason why they're bankrupt is we know that because they were all on these shows. <laughs> and there's, there's one scene where Vern Troyer is just riding around on a tricycle while drunk. And this is the best scene on these celebrity rehab shows, whatever. And it's him and Peter Brady, uh, Christopher Knight. And he goes, do you know what's freaking weird, man? And Christopher Knight's like, what? And he goes, this, everything that we're doing right now. And I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> Somebody had to say that. Yep. But uh, it's Vern Troyer drunk on a tricycle saying, making this reality show's weird. But uh, Rest so in peace, Vern Troyer. R.I.P. Vern Troyer. Yeah, yep. Rest in peace, bud. But uh, a cool Easter egg about Gremlins is that there's, um, in the beginning, there's a marquee for the movie theater. And there's two movies on the marquee, A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies. A Boy's Life, since Spielberg was the producer, A Boy's Life was the working title for E.T. And Watch the Skies was the pre-production title for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. I, I, I learned about that, I think, a year or two ago while watching it. But now now I, I always find that awesome while watching it, that they added that into there. Yeah, this is a and movie that, see- that you want to watch more than once for sure. You'll catch more stuff um, on second viewing, third viewings. Oh, yeah. You you want to watch the movie more, more than once for like 20 different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, also how enjoyable it is for sure. Yeah, but that's definitely one of them. Also, like, again, the, the, there's a, a billboard that says Rocky Ricky Rialto, the guy that the um the, in the beginning, and he's a DJ, and it looks just like an Indiana Jones sign. And obviously Spielberg did the Indiana Jones movies, and 
talk about movies that were out at the same time. Temple of Doom came out just a couple of weeks before Gremlins came out, so that was definitely put in there for a reason. Oh wow! Was um Grandpa yeah. Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in this? I mean, uh, Willy Wonka, the original, the seventies. I don't think so. There's Maybe a, there was a guy that looked just like him, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. It could be that, that lazy asshole that freaking can't get off his bed and finally jumps off when there's free chocolate melt. His whole family's yeah. in poverty. Yeah. Oh, Grandpa man. Joe, the biggest the biggest piece of shit in film history. Really? Yeah. Such a sweetheart, yeah. though. You thought Freddy Krueger was bad. <laughs> Grandpa Joe. Yeah, sometimes not what you do, it's what you don't do. Grandpa Joe's a big <laughs> offender of that. Grandpa Joe, what did you do to help your family? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. It's not him. But there was a guy um, in Gremlins. I can't think of if he was a main character or an extra. But I'm like, is that Grandpa Joe? Can you think of it right now? No, right? Let me see. No, I can't I can't think of the guy that you... That, that, <laughs> that looks like Grandpa Joe. About. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said, we, we, we normally... Uh, to be honest, we, we normally watch these movies before we do the recordings. I watched like 80% of the movie the other day. And I was going to finish it today, but we jumped in the recording. But, like, I, it's a, it's all right, though, because, like, I remember the movie 100% because I saw it 5,000 times. <laughs> so I, if I can't remember the Uncle Joe scene. Maybe it was at the end of the movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't him. It was a lookalike. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, like, this movie, uh, it was set in Kingston Falls. It was the same uh, back background set that they used for Back to the Future. Um, the Again, like, it, j- j- just so many cool... F- like little little uh, fun facts about this movie, freaking. Yeah, I'm looking uh, on IMDb. The guy I'm talking about is literally an extra because his name it says Man on Street and his name is Donald Elson and he's not Grandpa Joe the actor. Just confirming um, before we move on from that because I don't want to give out I don't want to give out false information. What? It says on Google he's not Grandpa <laughs> yeah, Joe. Yeah, I, I googled <laughs> is that Grandpa Joe and Gremlins? <laughs> Just another asshole addicted to chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> That's what <it> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like, um, yeah. No, again, I, I have nothing negative to say about this film. It's to me, it's one, it's one of the. I don't want to say it's one of the. It, it's one of the best Christmas movies. It's not my favorite Christmas movie, but it's definitely up there. I think it. it, it yeah, it's up there for me too. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's in my it's I'd say it's in my top five or six Christmas movies, um, which is saying a lot since there's so many Christmas movies out there. And, and Christmas but, is. Not really like the main folk, even though it is Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie mainly. So that's still you know yeah. that's saying a lot if you're putting it on your top. Do, do, do you have a top Christmas movie? Um, I don't want to be I head. don't want to be made fun of because I know it's it's um uh, even though it has kind of a cult following now. I love Jingle All the Way with Arnold. That's my favorite Christmas movie. That's a great. Whoever makes fun of you for that can just <laughs> stop listening to us. Yeah, I'm just I'm just letting you know. Yeah, because that's that's but, my uh, number one. Um, oh, and Elf. Elf is probably number two. We all need a turbo man. Yeah, for sure. But um, my favorite scene in uh, Jingle All the Way is when um, Sinbad walks in the radio station with a fake bomb on him. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's just a hoax. <laughs> he blows up. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out it's real. It blows up. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> great movie. A lot of great moments. Sinbad's um, Sinbad, and again, this might date the episode, but Sinbad is currently he just recovered from a stroke. I think I had no idea he had a stroke like uh, two years ago, and he just recently learned to walk again. I don't know. He was going really? through all that. So, that yeah, thoughts and prayers to Sinbad. He was a great, great comedian. Yeah, no, he freaking like he started off on I want to say like 
probably doing comedy stuff before that, like comedy shows, but he started off on a different world. Oh, wow. Uh, again, then he started doing movies like House Guest and um, Jingle All the Way and First Kid and stuff like that. I love First Kid. But, like, again, he, Sinbad, in case you're a younger viewer and you don't really know him too well, Sinbad was a very big comedian back in the 90s. Yep. And uh, freaking, but uh, also talking about uh, prayers to people again. I saw something on Bruce Willis the other day saying that he's not doing too well. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't been. That's horrible. So I, I, yeah. I also want to say I, I, I uh, to give a little shout out to, not that she's going to hear about this, but to give a shout out to Demi Moore. Like that's that's her ex husband. That's not her husband. Yeah, and, and she's doing. Yep. She's sticking with him throughout all this, and she's doing that. I assume for him and the kids. Yeah. So again, I, God, wishing the best for Bruce Willis. Um, obviously, going through a difficult time right now. And again, like I said, I'm I'm hoping they're wrong. I'm I'm hoping that he pulls through and that he uh, that he's okay. Yes. But uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, uh, last little tidbit that I want to add is that uh, Stripe Stripe, the head of the evil gremlins and Gizmo. We're originally supposed to be the same character, but uh-huh. Joe Dante wanted to make sure that there was one gremlin that that was a good gremlin that the yeah. audience could identify with. I'm glad they did. I'm that. sorry, S- Steven Spielberg wanted that. Okay, good. So they so they so they kept uh, Gizmo in there, and yeah, yeah you, so. need, you needed the good one, especially if he was the cutest yeah. one. I mean, well, they all look the same, but he like his mannerisms were the cutest. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? No, you know, I, I, I just went back for a second. For some reason, I thought you were talking about Judd Hirsch for a second, who was Grandpa from uh, Judd Hirsch, just from the show Taxi. But he's not in Gremlins. He was in a different movie that I was watching the other day. Oh, no, he was in the trailer for that movie, the Steven Spielberg movie. I was talking about The Fablements. Okay. So that's why I was in the back of my head. But, yeah. But uh, nothing more I really want to add about the movie. Like, if, if, if you're one of the... Point zero zero one percent that hasn't seen it. I mean, maybe if you're younger, if you're twenty or something like that, maybe you haven't yet to see it. Um, again, bad job by your parents. They should be forcing you onto that crap. But like, uh, but go uh, go check it out. Great film. Great. Great. A lot um, of fun. Anything else you want to add about it, Steve? No, yeah, just that. It's a great, uh, very fun film for for everybody. You know, that sounds like uh, like I'm doing a commercial for it, but but literally, it's a fun family film. <laughs> I would call it a great fantasy horror, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, but uh, next week we will be doing um, Black Christmas. We're doing the remake of Black Christmas. Not the 2019 version, whatever it is. We're doing the 2006 version of it with Michelle Trashenberg. I did, did I say her name right? <laughs> Trashenberg, I guess. <laughs> I'm just going to say with Harriet the Spy. Oh, I love her. With, yeah, say her name yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Eurotrip. Yep, but we'll just call her Harriet the Spy because yes. I can't pronounce her last name. Um, but um, and Lacey Chamber. So with those two, um, Lacey Chamber also seemed to have disappeared out of Hollywood, but she was a swing. Um, she, uh, but so those two girls are in that movie. I always, I love the original Black Christmas. It's definitely a better movie than the remake. But the remake is definitely more entertaining, if that makes sense. Like we we've said this before, with like Pet Cemetery Two is more entertaining than Pet Cemetery One, but Pet Cemetery One is a better movie. 
yeah. And you could say the same thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films one and two. Yeah, and at least this so. remake um, came out like way later from the original. What's with all these remakes nowadays coming out? Like, why did they remake this again in 2019? Just 13 years later. And also, I think Cabin Fever already got a remake. Also, I mean. Time does fly, and I just realized it has been twenty years since Cabin Fever, but I'm pretty sure that movie came out like five years ago, the Cabin Fever remake. So, I don't, but I don't I think, appreciate these remakes name? coming out so fast. They, they should wait at least twenty five years. I think Cabin Fever. I think Eli Roth remade his own movie. Oh, what the hell? I think so. <laughs> and it sucked. Um, I heard. I haven't seen it. Give me a second, because he remade his I, own I, movie just twenty years later. Not even. Wow. I, don't know why he remade it. I could be wrong. I could be a hundred percent wrong. It could be one of those uh, spirituals, like uh, how Halloween was called Halloween and Scream was called Scream. Um, oh, he he just wrote okay. the he wrote the sequel. I mean the remake and was the executive producer. He didn't direct it. Yeah, but yeah, in general, I don't appreciate these remakes coming out when they don't like the O six one didn't need to be remade already. Yeah, like I said, because uh, twenty nineteen sucked, right? I, I haven't seen that one. I I don't want to watch it. People people look at me like I'm an asshole because again, like I don't want to watch it because it's so woke. Yeah, that's but annoying like, though. Yeah. Again, I saw it and I, I don't like watching movies that like if I see a horror movie, like I said, I don't care if something like again we we brought this from the back. We brought this up in the past. Um, I don't care if something's showing racism or chill, like we brought this up with Candyman. I don't care if 1992 1992 Candyman. Is about racism. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, the new one is that's that they just shove it in your face. And even though I didn't mind the new remake of Candyman, like that kind of aggravates me. Like I'm I'm sitting here to watch. I'm get, sitting here to get scared. You know. Yeah. When when and they like, shove the the message down your throat, it's like it takes away from the whole yeah. thing because it's like, all right, you guys just want to tell us this. Where's you know where's the movie? <laughs> Yeah, it kind of sits here making you feel bad. It's like, you know, I, I'm watching this movie because I want to get away from reality for, like, for like a couple hours. Yeah. Like, again, like, I understand. If, yeah, if you, want to get a pod, if you want to get a point across, that's fine. But don't, like, again, don't shove it like a pie in my face. You yeah, know? cover it oh up in, in an artsy way. You know, tell, tell the story first and foremost and then have the message in there. But when you prioritize the message and then make a movie around it, then it's so obvious and insulting. Yeah, better off, like, not just artsy way. Cover yeah. it up in an artsy, fartsy way. I like farts. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but uh, yeah, so next week um, we'll be doing, um, or as soon as possible, we will be doing our remake of Black Christmas, um, our podcast, our episode. But, again, follow us on our page on Instagram, Be Afraid Hard Podcast. Uh, you can, uh, uh, if you want, like Rate us, um, leave some comments on Apple Music and Spotify and Instagram and all that stuff. YouTube. Um, YouTube. So again, like get in there, give us some feedback. Um, again, we we uh, look forward to hearing from that. Um, tell us what you want to hear about. We have our list of shows coming up. Um, we're gonna go into that after the holiday movies. We have. Um, we'll, we'll tell you what we're gonna be. Um, we're gonna be doing another franchise in the beginning of the year coming up. And some other movies again. Uh, so, but there's also gonna be a couple weeks where we're still trying to figure out what's going on. So, if you want to hear about a certain movie, let us know. And again, we, we want to give you what you want to hear about. We aren't listening to us, you're listening to us. All right, but uh, again, guys, be afraid. We'll see you soon. Thank you, guys.